0: Love Talk Radio.
1: This is our common ground, alternative activist empowerment on radio, speaking truth
2: to, to our and ourselves.
3: Who are you? You don't know? Don't tell me Negro, that's not it. What were you before? The white man
1: means you a Negro. And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then?
0: As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Matt Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Jijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Mutulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal.
2: America's chickens are coming home.
3: Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism.
1: Our
4: common ground, speaking truth to
2: power and
4: ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. Lift every voice and sing, till earth and heaven shall ring, ring with the harmonies of liberty, let our rejoicing rise high as the listening
2: skies,
1: let it resound loud as the rolling sea. They came for police officers, and I did not speak out because I was not a police officer. Then they came for firefighters, and I did not speak out because I was not a firefighter. Then they came for the State Highway Patrol, and I did not speak out because I was not a Highway Patrol officer. Then they came for teachers, and I did not speak out because I was not a teacher. And then they came for nurses, and I did not speak out because I was not a nurse. And then they came for our administrative assistants, our bus drivers, our childcare workers, our computer operators, our correction officers, our custodial workers, our customer service assistants, our our electricians, our equipment operators, our food service workers. How about our highway maintenance workers, our hospital aides, our industry safety inspectors, our insurance examiners, our investigators, our janitors, our laborers, our law clerks, our library associates, our liquor control chemists, our livestock inspectors, our locksmiths, our mail clerks, our maintenance inspectors, our maintenance repair workers, our meat inspectors, our mental health administrators, our mine safety inspectors, our minority business operators, our paramedics, our park rangers, our probation officers, our psychiatric attendants, our radio dispatchers, our recreation aides our safety and health compliance inspectors, our sanitation workers, our secretaries, our security officers, our social service aides, our state accountants, our therapeutic program workers, our traffic analysis, our underground storage tank inspectors, our wildlife area coordinators. They came for them, but I was not any of those, and I did not speak, but when they came for me, there was no one left we cannot go back and we won't go back dr king said that the arc of moral justice is long but it bends towards justice Senate Bill 5 is unjust, Senate Bill 5 is un American, and Senate Bill 5 is plain out wrong. The arc of justice will bend towards what is right, what is good, and what is just, and I urge the defeat of this un American, unpatriotic, and unjust bill, Senate Bill 5. Freedom is not always free. And even though I, I know that we never dreamed that we would live at a time where we would have to refight these battles, this is our moment to stand. Women are not children. We know what is in our own best interest, and we should have the right to make our own decisions. We don't need a permission slip from government to tell us what to do and how to do it. It is morally wrong. Talk about what cannot be done. We need to stand arm in arm with the people who have decided what can be done, what should be done. We do hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men and women are endowed by their creator that all women and men have a right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. And that doesn't stop because a few right-wing men have decided not to honor the fundamental principles of liberty and justice for all. these United States of America, we are not going back. I believe that the Creator has given us two hands, one to reach forward and one to reach back. One to reach forward and one to reach back, lifting as we climb. We are our brothers and sisters keepers. And what happens to one directly, Dr. King said, affects us all indirectly. We can't ask other folks to do more for us than we are willing to do for ourselves. Hard work and determination pays off and we will keep the faith and we will keep the fight. And then lastly, in the words of my grandmother, who, if she was here today, would be in the audience with you. Whenever I ask grandma, what does it take to be successful? What does it take to stand strong? My sister, three bones. She said, My dear granddaughter, all you need are the three bones the wishbone, the jawbone, <laughs> and the backbone. The will keep us hoping and praying because hope is the motivator but the dream is the drive. The jawbone will give us what it takes to speak truth to power and not to sit idly by and let vicious, vile things happen in the United States of America. We are the United States of America. The most important bone of them all is the backbone because it will keep us standing through trials, tribulations and
2: haters
1: and ladies we must stand strong and answer the clarion call of our consciousness about what type of America we want to live in
4: tonight on our common ground we are honored to have with us Ohio State Senator Minority Whip Nina Turner as an elected official she has not only been a fine legislator with outstanding initiatives, she has been an advocate for labor for women and for poor and working families throughout Ohio. Her model is a standard with distinction and exceptional hard work for the nation. She walks in the steps of those who came before her. Barbara Jordan, Shirley Chisholm, Betty Shabazz, Fannie Lou Hamer, Asada Shakur, Angela Davis, Ida B. Wells, and so many others who served us well. I have come to call her the Three Bones Warrior. Thank you for being with us on Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves with Ohio State Senator Nina Turner. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you.
1: Because if you are born in America with a black face, you are born in the mess.
4: And good evening and thank you for being with us here On Our Common Ground, I'm Janice Graham, your host, and we're pleased to have you. We hope that you are enjoying this very uh, first weekend of the fall across America. Tonight our guest is Ohio State Senator and Minority Whip Sister Nina Turner, speaking truth to power all through Ohio and setting the standard for elected officials across the country. She represents Cleveland and the 25th S- S- Senate District. She joined the Ohio State Senate in September 2008 after serving on Cleveland's City Council. She's outspoken advocate of the disenfranchised and underrepresented, and we are so very honored to have you, dear sister, Senator Nina Turner, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Sister Graham, so much. You are quite the the producer
0: there. I, I love the Three Bones Warrior. I had to write that down. <laughs> I'm so three honored. Bones
1: warrior,
4: so honored. <laughs> <laughs> we stand in salute every time we hear your voice, uh, because your voice brings clarity to so many issues, and and it brings the spirit of what we must have as resistors of injustice in this country. Amen. How are you?
0: Amen. I am mighty fine. Uh, God is on the throne. and He is working through people like you and like me and other folks of good consciousness across this country. So I am wonderful. And to have your voice on radio is such a blessing. You are a powerful and gifted woman, Sister Graham.
4: Thank you. And I am just so very, very uh, enamored um to have your voice ring throughout America, and it really has nina it mm. really has for for the i mean you have been pressing as as our good friend at spirit house uh project in atlanta uh ex uh SNCC leader would say you've been pressing the metal to democracy
0: <laughs> amen
4: <laughs> but you know and and you've been and you've been victorious. Uh, And and that is something that I think that slips through so many elected officials. One of the things our audience is so uh, interested in and anticipate uh, for me to bring to them is getting a sense of where you found your charge
2: Mm, as a
0: public servant. Uh, in the in the people, you know, I was uh, raised in uh, I had very humble beginnings. I am part of that forty seven percent that Governor Romney just uh, wrote off. But, um, <laughs> Aren't
4: we all? Yeah, uh,
0: most of us are. Just a deep seated connection with God and a sense of who I am and what my purpose is. You know, being an elected office is a blessing, but it's the people's power. It's not my power, and I have it temporarily, and it's my moral obligation to wield it in such a way that people's lives are a lot better so it's not enough just to have a fancy title it's what you're going to do with it that matters the most and so i am driven by that every single day i make no uh, apology sister graham that i am rooted in spirituality that i believe in a god i believe that jesus christ is his son and i thank god every single day that i am allowed to use my gifts to make the lives of the people that i serve better and to speak truth to power, that is my job. So I don't believe in comfort and convenience. I'm going to do what Malcolm X said, and that's, that is I am for what is right, no matter who it is for or who it is against. And I try to live my life like that every day.
4: And, you know, uh, many of us, you began your political career as a, as a Chief of Staff for Mayor uh, Michael White yes. in Cleveland. Who were some of your models? And I, I can hear, I can hear Mama speaking. <laughs>
0: you
4: know. <laughs> yeah,
0: Mama is speaking, and uh, I'm sure you're up on, on my bio. But just so your listeners know, you know, my mom died at the age of 42 years old. So when I say I'm part of the 47, percent I really mean that. And you know, she she did not live to see her oldest daughter uh, graduate. I'm a first generation college graduate. She didn't see me earn an associate's a bacc bachelor's or a master. She didn't live to see her eldest daughter sworn in to the Cleveland City Council and then sworn in to be an Ohio senator. But because her blood flows through my veins and the blood of other women who have sacrificed, some women great and some not so great, I know every day that I get up, that I look in the mirror and that it is my job to stand up and to speak out for those who may not have a voice. And that is the 47%. So my mother was a great um, impact on my life and I know she's in heaven saying you go girl you've made me proud but I do know that stress can take you out of here I know what it's like to live in a single mama household my parents got married as teenagers it just did not work out and there are seven of us I know what it's like not to have food and, and not a roof over your head And my grandmother was that solid rock born in 1913 and she is really the wind beneath my wings she was a strong warrior woman And I tell her story every single place that I go, and it is because of women like her and the women that you named that I am just honored to even be mentioned in the same breath with a Barbara Jordan or Ida B. Wells. Um, It is those warrior women that I remember and that I draw upon every single day that I go into the battle to make this world a better place for all people.
4: Well, I certainly want to join Uh, your ancestor mother and your Mm. wonderful grandmother in the theme that you have done well, girl. You have just (laughs) done well. (laughs) Thank you, Sister Graham. And Grandma Um,
0: died uh, four months after Mom, so that was a hard year for me that year. God was trying to tell me something. But, uh, you know, he never puts more on you than you can bear, but I carry both of their spirits with me every day.
4: Well, you know, in your work, you can see that you started off your, your career, and one of the things that you championed are children, mm-hmm. um, and 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 now you're fighting the battle for women and and their reproductive rights. Yes, but did when, when you were in uh, when you were elected to represent Ward One uh, on Cleveland City Council, did you ever suspect that the political climate? would come to where we are right now, especially in Ohio and in this country and in the era of our first African-American president?
0: Not at all. You know, our foremothers and forefathers have fought many battles in this country of all ethnicities to make this, you know, in the president's words, a more perfect union, but the founding fathers said it first. No, uh, Sister Graham, never did I think that I would live, that we would have to fight some of the same battles to secure workers' rights so that people could make a decent living and be able to support their families to f- fight for women's rights. And this is not about being pro-abortion. I don't know anybody that's pro-abortion, but I know an awful lot of people who are pro-choice. And not just abortion, I mean, some of the bills that have been passed across this country and in legislatures and on the state level even try to prohibit a woman from even getting access to birth control pills. I mean, we are really going backwards, and my God, never did I think I would live to have to fight against voter suppression. But here we are, and I think that this is a reminder that every generation has to do its part to make this world and this nation a better place, and freedom is not free. We have to continue to fight for freedom and level the playing field and to stand up and speak out where we see wrong and injustice. And wrong and injustice is in the land, but I believe that good people standing up for justice and righteousness and truth can turn this thing around.
4: Well, you're absolutely right, and history has shown that it can. Mm -hmm. In In the meantime... One of the things that I become very concerned about mm-hmm. are the witnesses. Our children are witnesses mm-hmm. to the evil and the vitriol yes. that is occurring uh in our country and I know as a mother um, you must have some idea about what the children in this nation
0: mm-hmm.
4: and 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 you think that while we have worked on. Millions and millions of dollars of educational initiatives, yes. um, and to improve the, the the path to their future. Mm-hmm. What this does as a mother, what what's your what's your sense of that?
0: I mean, it's it's painful. And I work with young people all the time. I mean, not only am I. A state senator, but I'm also a college professor as well at Cuyahoga Community College, and I see young people on a regular basis, and this has uh, been awfully hard for them, both uh, very young people and also uh, college-age young people who are just trying to find their way and how they are discouraged by folks who I call grown-grown, who cannot even get along for enough time to do what is in the best interest of people. But I always have encouragement, even though I know that we're going through something in this country, that we're going to turn it around. It is our obligation, like our four mothers and forefathers, is to blaze a path for them that was better than ours. And we need to get back to the business of securing the future. You know, a lot of young people are saddled by debt, Sister Graham. I mean, the latest report shows that those young people are going to college leave collectively with a trillion dollars worth of debt. Here they are going to college, working on their measure of the American dream, doing what is right, and we don't have enough jobs out here for them. We need a Congress that understands that. And this current Congress, many of them, mainly the Republicans, not the Democrats, have been standing in the way of a lot of progress that the president is trying to put forward to 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 change things, to make it better. You know, when he was sworn into office this economy was bleeding jobs by the hundreds of thousands, and the president had to come in and try to regulate, to try to hold us steady, and to have folks in Congress who didn't care, even if they sent us over the the fiscal cliff, they didn't care about future generations, they don't care about average, everyday citizens in this country. So I think the president has done a wonderful job of setting us back on the path, but there's Absolutely more work to do. And so when I look in the eyes of young people, I want to be able to speak into them, hope. But I also want to use my position of authority to make sure that we pass policies in the state of Ohio and also in this country where they will have an opportunity to live their measure of the American dream. And so we got to make sure that we get them educated, and we got to make sure we get
4: them employed.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: You fought such a violent fight on SB5 in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that we have been talking about at Our Common Ground Mm -hmm. is the notion of Ohio being an attack state by Mm -hmm. the GOP and the Tea Party. Yes. And their first point of attack was labor.
0: Mm -hmm.
4: Where is that now?
0: Well, you know, overwhelmingly, Sister Graham in the state of Ohio, Republican, Democrat, independent, uh we have eighty eight counties and most of those eighty eight counties, I think only six counties voted in favor of what became issue two on the ballot, but it was Senate Bill 5, and we were fighting it through the General Assembly. So the people spoke loudly. Uh, it was defeated by over 60%, and so the folks let it be known to the Republican leaders in the state that we believe that workers should have collective bargaining rights, so that is solid. But there is a movement afoot, and they didn't do it this year because of the fallout of Senate Bill 5, Issue 2, but I believe that they're going to rear their ugly heads next year and try to make... Ohio a right to work state. So again, our our work is never done. We have got to continue to always be on watch. You know how some of the elders say watch as well as pray and we got to watch as well as pray and put some sweat equity behind our efforts. So for now it is over, but uh, there is a group out there that is forming who has the de- who have declared that they're going to stop at nothing to make Ohio a right to work state but we'll be waiting right here for them and 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 uh making sure that we continue to fight for workers rights in the state of Ohio.
4: Mhm. And even even with uh, with that and I suspect and I absolutely agree with you. I I think the game is not up yet. Mhm. Uh and Ohio is so pivotal. Yeah. this whole the landscape of uh, the changes that have taken place and 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 I predict will take place in mm-hmm. terms of the American culture of union and labor and government yes um so one of the things that I wanted to ask you was whether or not uh there has been any coalition's uh, developed and is there a model going on so that Ohio can offer uh to the nation about how you organize mm-hmm. to combat mm-hmm. this attack on 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 labor and working people. I think Ohio has I mean we
0: you know a group formed called We Are Ohio and that group is still in formation and, and ready and watching uh, to make sure that they stand in the ready position. You know, there's an African proverb that says that one should not build their shield on the battlefield. Well, it is shield-building time for those who believe that everyday Americans who work hard should have some right. And, you know, uh, not only just live a decent life, folks should be able to live a good life. They should be able to take a vacation. They should be able to buy a new car. They should be able to send their their children to college. They should be able to go on a vacation. But we have some folks in power who don't want everyday average Americans to be able to do that. So we are Ohio is in place and we have some other progressive uh liberal groups that stand in the ready position to unite and fight. So I don't know if we have a model necessarily as much as we have people who are ready, willing and able because of what we went through to fight back against Senate Bill 5. Issue too, and Ohio. I, I agree with you, Sister Grant. We will continue. We are a strong swing state on many issues. Um, unlike Wisconsin, we have the power of referendum, so that people can go in and collect the requisite signatures and 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 voice their. Opinion at the ballot box about what elected officials do, and so for that it makes us a stronger state, and that people can fight against that. In Wisconsin, they did not have power of referenda, and that's why Governor Scott Walker was able to do what he did. But Ohio is, is standing strong.
4: Well, I think that if there is any model that's going to come about, it's going to be in mm-hmm. Ohio, and we're all going to be watching yes, ma'am. what you do in Ohio. Uh, as a template Mm -hmm. for what has to happen. But one of the things that is increasingly a concern of mine as I get older (laughs) is is this whole notion of we don't pay attention until a crisis erupts. And I think that that is going to have to be one of the benchmarks Mm -hmm. for organizing, that you cannot organize an uninformed constituency. That's right. That's right. And, and and
0: you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, it goes back to the African proverb, one should not build their shield on the battlefield. And what you're saying is that we should always be in shield-building mode so that we're ready for any battle that comes at us, right? It's mm-hmm. hard to always be on the defensive. We have to be on the offense. So I, I totally agree with you.
4: Now, let, let's move into the, the area of women's reproductive rights. Not only in Ohio, because um, I mean you you and your colleagues in the Ohio Senate have really been not only defenders of women's pr- reproductive rights, but you have been advocates and you have become a steel wall on the issue. Yeah. How did all of that start out in Ohio? Well, you know, just even Ohio and across this country, sister
0: Graham, I hate to say it, there have been primarily men who have decided that they want to control what happens to a woman, to a woman's body. And just in 2011 alone, 1100 measures, 1100 measures were introduced in state legislatures across this country, uh, dealing with a woman's uh, reproductive health. And so here in Ohio, and, and particularly my bill, Senate Bill 307, you know, I decided that we were sick and tired, as as, uh, as Fannie Lou Hamer said, uh, uh, sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I decided that I was going to fight back, that if men, uh, being the greater sex, uh, had decided that it's more important to focus in on a woman's reproductive health and or her right to abortion or not to have an abortion, I decided we need to show men a little love as well. And so what my bill does is deal with erectile dysfunction, uh, mandating that a man uh, undergo a psychological analysis to make sure that his concern is is, is mental and and not physical, uh, he would have to have an affidavit signed by his partner affirming the fact that he has erectile dysfunction. Would Wait a minute, ha- well, I
4: just <laughs> have to stop you when 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 that hit when when that hit I spell out. Dying laughing. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That's the way to go.
0: You, yeah. I mean,
4: you had a you-go-sister for me. I mean, I thought that was not hilarious. Yeah. yeah. But it was the most effective defense mm-hmm. against this move.
0: hmm I mean, because, you know, the men who introduce these types of bills have uh, really painted women as weak and fragile, as if we can't make a decision about our body. Without the uh, government, and, you know, and it's this very same party that talks about personal liberty, but that liberty stops when it comes to a woman's right to choose and or her right to have access to contraception. So again, I wanted to show men a little love as well and let them know that there are some female elected officials who are going to watch out for a man's reproductive health uh, just the same. And and another portion of this bill, you know, for them to take a cardiac stress test every uh, ninety days as long as they are taking the medication because they are. Some side effects to this medicine I want to make sure that they understand What they're doing And and, and for them to have to ask permission from government To do what they think is in their best interest But the most important part is that their medical doctor Would have to counsel them About other remedies that are available Including uh, natural remedies And celibacy That will clear up erectile dysfunction just fine
4: (laughs) <laughs> just don't do it, <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> And I got to
0: say, Sister Graham, a lot of men, you know, from all over the country Have uh, written me or, or a phone call, emails just to say Thank you so much for standing up for the women in our lives And they get it, they get the one-sided nature of this And there were women all across the country I mean, there was state representative Stacey Newman from Missouri who decided uh she introduced a measure that a vasectomy would only be performed to avert the death of a man uh to, to you know or serious risk of physical impairment otherwise he could not get one. Uh we have sister Senator Constance Johnson in Oklahoma who uh introduced a bill that that said that a man could not uh ejaculate any other way, any other place except for a woman's uh, vagina and we have uh, State Representative Yasmin Neal of Georgia who said that thousands of children are being deprived of birth in this state every year because of the lack of state regulation over vasectomies. So we have some sister legislators all across the country who got it and who stood strong in very creative ways to say to, to the men who dare to introduce bills like this, okay. enough is enough, and how do you like women trying to regulate your reproductive health? You know, Sister Grant, we should have been spending that energy – working on issues that lift people, but instead we have to fight for a woman's right to control her own body. And not only did men reach out to me, but I had so many women, especially our older sisters, who went through the battle to fight for women Mm -hmm. to have access. Uh, One woman shared with me that she had to, to get her tubes tied, she had to get permission from her husband. He had to sign a permission slip. Mm
2: -hmm. He had to
0: sign a form. For her to get her tubes tied, I had another woman share a story about how she did indeed get one of those back-alley abortions because she felt it was in her best interest, and she was physically scarred. And even though she's physically scarred, she said if she had it to do all over again, she would do it. But she doesn't want today's young women to have to go through that. And see, these Republicans, they think they're slick. What they're doing is that they can't overturn Roe v. Wade directly. They're doing it indirectly through state legislatures all across this country. And that's why I want the citizens to to wake up and to come alive, because people can only do to us what we allow them to do. And this is about liberty. This is what this is about, a control of one's own body. And if we come from that vantage point, I think we would have more agreement about these issues and not less agreement.
4: You know, and one of the things you know, we haven't even begun to talk about the attack on, on, on Planned Parenthood
2: mm-hmm.
4: and the, yes. the kinds of services that Planned Parenthood provides. You know, at my at my age mm-hmm. and when I was a young woman, mm-hmm. uh, abortion was illegal. Yes. So um, I understand exactly what what you. Uh, what you were getting to, you and your legislative colleagues um, were, were getting to, and mm-hmm. the kind of promise mm-hmm. that the women's movement and its struggle for freedom for women yeah. um, were having to um, having to endure mm-hmm. in watching this entire scenario, but on a more more detailed area is i i believe that we have to also take this fight to the insurance industry. Mhm. And that's what the president's you know affordable care act does. I
0: Absolutely. Mean, women
4: pay. And you
0: know everybody has a woman in their life, I would like to hope that they love that they care about. Women pay more for health care insurance than men. And why is that? It doesn't make sense again discriminatory uh, actions and regulations against women and the president has pulled back the veil and the affordable care act says you cannot charge someone with the XX chromosome for insurance care more more than 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 our counterparts with the XY chromosome it doesn't make a whole lot of sense and when you talk about planned parenthood yes right here in the state of Ohio they tried to defund it and we did fight back and we've held them off so far But I believe, again, that is a fight that we are going to have to continue. And Planned Parenthood, 97% of what they do is preventative, and they help working and middle-class women be able to get preventative care. These are mothers. These are sisters. These are wives. These are aunts, these are grandmothers and we should care enough about the women in our lives to say that they have rights and that most fundamental right is to be able to control your body to be able to have a conversation with your doctor and whatever you decide to do is between you, God, and your doctor and it shouldn't be government dictating to you what you can and cannot do with your body.
4: And and, and it it, it certainly shows the hypocrisy
2: Yes, ma'am.
4: Of those who would tend to Um, make an effort to buy our government, Mm -hmm. Uh, that um, on one hand they tout the notion of smaller government and on the other hand they support efforts for a more intrusive government. That's right. That's
0: right. It's hypocrisy is what it is, and I'm hoping that the American people are seeing uh, some of these elected officials for who they really are. You know, uh, there's a scripture that says, "You will know the tree by the fruit that it bears." And so, I'm hoping that folks are starting to see this and that their eyes are opening to uh, the hypocrisy of uh, some of the, the elected officials uh, in, across the country.
4: hmm mm-hmm. And and you know, and who would ever think, uh, Senator Turner, that we would be in an atmosphere where people were free? Mm-hmm. To do two things: to talk openly with disdain about women, yeah. given their electoral power,
2: mm-hmm.
4: that they would talk with disdain, confusion, and craziness. I mean, just loony, looney-tune stuff yeah. on the issue of rape, yes. and the and the issue of a woman facing a life or death situation based on medical care right. that only she should decide. I mean, I I've 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 been totally uh sometimes put out. Mm-hmm. Just totally put out by what where did this come from and how did this come how did this come about? Mm-hmm. And the only conclusion I can make is that working people poor people and minorities are having an effect on the voice of government mhm mhm and by that i don't just mean they have this vitriol disease against this that that makes them crazy about this african american president but it makes them have a disease that causes them to be crazy about the changes that America is naturally taking and has been taking over time. It's like they woke up
2: <laughs> and decided,
4: "Oh my God, what happened I want my 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 America back
0: right and those are cold words for that, and you are absolutely right, and we we need to continue to have strong and frank. Discussions about this uh, In this country Anytime you have such disrespect Being directed at our president You know there used to be a time Where you at least respected the office You know I didn't agree with everything That President Bush uh, set out to do But I have enough respect for the office But the disdain that some folks in this country Are showing for our for our president And it has very, dilute, very little to do With their uh, dislike with his policies And a lot to do with the color of his skin, and it does not make a whole lot of sense. You know, in Montana, the Republicans had a convention a couple of months ago where someone erected an outhouse uh, riddled with bullet holes painted on the outside of it, and they called it the Obama uh, Presidential Library. And on the inside, you could see a mock-up of his birth certificate. Um, There were words on the walls for a good time, call Michelle Hillary uh, Pelosi, you know, just such disrespect. The level of racial uh, hate that has been directed towards this president. The level of dis- disrespect from a member, you know, from a member of a Congress uh, yelling out when the president mm-hmm. is having the State of the Union. You lie um, to folks not addressing him as President Obama. I mean, you name it; they have gone through it. And again, a lot of this has a lot to do with his ethnicity, and it is a shame we still have a lot. We have many more miles to travel In this country to deal with race And you're absolutely right Some of these folks Particularly elected officials Have lost their ever-loving minds And they can no longer contain themselves And so they are showing us Who they really are And I've said before Some of these folks are wearing a blue suit over a white sheet But make no mistake about it Some of their tactics are reminiscent Of the Klan Some of their tactics of intimidation Especially when it comes to voter suppression In the 21st century Are the same tactics that were used Against our foremothers and our forefathers In in terms of trying to Stop them from voting And we have to take this stuff seriously Now in no way am I saying that everybody who disagrees with the president is a racist i am not saying that but what i am saying is that when we examine some of the evidence and some of the ways that people act and respond to him and some of the racist comments and remarks that have been directed towards him and and the first lady we have got to come to a conclusion here that some of this some of this has to do with race, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He deserves respect because he is the President of the United States, and we should respect the office whether we agree with him or not and I would say that about any president that is in office
4: mhm mhm and the, the there's another uh character about that kind of discourse and mm-hmm. that kind of disrespect uh and it 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 And that is, in my mind, that when they speak of the President of the United States, they are also speaking to us. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, uh, I charge and challenge our own communities. I charge and challenge the women who would dare to support a Mitt Romney ticket. I dare those... uh, African Americans, Latinos, uh Native Americans who support the GOP. I dare and challenge people who sit at home and listen to talk radio and talk back at the radio and do nothing. Mm-hmm. Because it will not change. It will not change unless we make it change. And, you know, the other thing, Senator Turner, is that this president made it very clear when he was campaigning for uh, the office and as he came into office that nothing will happen without the protests outside of the White House,
0: Mm -hmm.
4: outside of of the Congress, that we, the people, have to embrace our responsibilities as we the people.
0: And and the president has made it clear, and and you can look at some of the things that he has accomplished and that he is continuing to try to accomplish, that he does believe in his country. He believes in the power of the people. He is asking for shared sacrifice. He believes in building from the middle out and not the top down. And, you know, for some, and and let me be clear here, everybody who is wealthy is certainly not evil evil. But there is a contingent of folks who have forgotten how they got over and, and that government has a role to play, and that role is a good role to play. Government is about service to people. It is about having policymakers in place who understand the role of government and who, who are willing to wield the power of the people for the best interests of the people and so the president is just really trying to make sure that everybody understands that and that everybody has a fighting chance. He is a good man he works extremely hard he loves this country and it's not just about the 47% he really does care about the 100% but he knows that we must provide balance in the universe so again I'm asking your listeners that just as you have laid out Sister Graham that they need to examine people and know and and by what they do and what they say. When you got folks who want to implement policies that put more burdens on the backs of poor and working and middle class families than they want to on millionaires and billionaires, something is wrong with that. When you have wealthy people who pay less in taxes percentage wise than than poor people and working class people, something is wrong. When we live in a society where the average wage is shrinking, meanwhile those who are in the top 1%, top 2%, top 5% are continuing to build wealth while 95% of us are stagnant or losing, something is wrong with that. And so we need to have a conversation about that. And I think President Clinton laid it out during the convention when he asked the question, kind of America do we want to live in? This is a choice election, and the power is in the hands of the
4: people. Mm-hmm. And I want to remind you that you asked that question way before President <laughs> Bill Clinton did. <laughs>
0: Thank you for that, Ms. Gemma. I did. And, and I just wasn't doing it at the DNC, but you're absolutely right. I
2: did.
4: You know, and I was really surprised, and I was really kind of angry,
2: yeah. because
4: you are really on my top five she wrote this, and I was really kind of ticked off that you weren't a keynote speaker yeah. at the Democratic National Committee. And I wrote them and told them that. Oh, thank you, Sister Graham. I appreciate that. But for the it, most people, will not know do not know that you have been a, a champion of change in your community for a very long time and that you have been included in the Power 100 Northeast Ohio's Most Influential People by Inside Magazine for the past three years. And what I want to get from you tonight is you grew up in Cleveland.
2: Mm
4: -hmm. Uh, You were educated there. As a leader, what about your growing up in Cleveland – informs your leadership? Oh wow, that is a deep
0: question. You know, Cleveland is a comeback city. We are I, I mean Cleveland's just wonderful. I really don't see myself living any other place unless God directs me to. I just really love our city. And I was fortunate that even though, you know, my parents their their marriage didn't work out and I grew up primarily in a single parent home that that my grandmother I keep going back to her And her rugged determination Someone who could not read or write But she was determined And how she planted the seeds of greatness In her grandchildren And she would often tell us To be the best and she said, if you can't be the best, be next to the best, be so close to the best that nobody could tell the difference. And whenever we would doubt our abilities to be the best, she would take a mirror from her and place it in front of our faces. And she said, every time you look in this mirror, you see best. So I reflect on that. I reflect on a community that was tight-knit, that, you know, Ms. Johnson could say something to you if you were acting up and you knew that if you weren't, and my grandmother's were words acting like you had some sense, you were going mm-hmm. to get it. And one of the things that pains me so right now for this generation, especially uh, children who grow up in, uh, in, in socially and, and economically challenged communities and households,
2: that they don't have
0: the Ms. Johnson or the Mr. Jones on the porch looking out for them as they walk up and down the street. They don't have that communal link to what it means to be a child that is loved And chastised by a community because we are so fractured Mm -hmm. and violent. Because
4: it really means that the community has expectations for each
0: child. That's right. And we got to get back to that. So that's what I had. That's what Cleveland gave me. And so even though I grew up in poverty um you know there were still the communal ties were still there and that is what is missing in the 21st century in many of our communities not because people don't want to but that that community is is broken and we got to rebuild and and we we just have to rebuild
4: mm-hmm. you know as you as you describe that one of the things that uh i think about is that when the first lady uh michelle obama mm mm-hmm. um uh, shares her childhood um and her growing up and what formed the char- her character and her life mm-hmm. her young and in her young life she expresses something very similar to what you've just said, and it brings me to a point where I begin to think that this is what martin Luther King. And Fred Shuttlesworth were talking mm-hmm. about when they talked about integration,
0: yes.
4: that we share and integrate some very very detailed cultural um, pictures of each other because I think that when people when most America listens to uh to you or to uh, First lady Michelle Obama, this is their first understanding of this is how black people operated in their communities and why before there was the saturation that diluted the richness, uh, that's how I put it, um, Mm. that we had this as a very powerful tool. And Mm. we lost very few.
0: No, we we did. I mean, we had to live together, survive together, you know, evolve together, and it was a strong community, and we have lost that somewhat. And we just have to regain it, and however we decide to do that is up to us, and maybe there's a 21st century version of that. But far too many children are falling through the cracks, Sister Graham, and the community has to rise up, and all of us have an obligation, a moral obligation to these children, and whether they're our birth children or not. We got to pay it forward for them, the same way somebody paid it for for us. And I just want to see more of that. We know that we need more men in the community, particularly African American men, to step up and adopt some of these children. And I don't mean legally adopt, but to see a strong black role model in the community is important. And we still have some, but we need many, many more to step up and say that not on their watch will any child. Uh, be left behind, so to speak, and that we got to create more cycle breakers. We have to make sure that our children receive stellar educations so that they can compete in this world and in this society and that they know that they are loved and that we hold them up to high expectations. And that starts from the household to the schoolhouse uh, to the community. And so that power is in our hands, too. Government cannot do everything for us. There are some roles that we play, but government does play a vital role, and that is to set the play for opportunities for people to live uh, a good life. And that's why uh, what Governor Romney had to say about the 47% was so offensive because I know – the working poor. I know people who work two and three jobs just to make ends meet. I don't know very many people who say when they grow up they want to be poor. I know people who have dreams, and sometimes, as Langston Hughes says, you know, what happens to a dream deferred. Things happen. People go through life. People are not perfect. But government's role is service, and it's a righteous role, Ms. Graham. And what the Republicans have done, they have co-opted to try to make government something that is dirty and ugly, and that is not true. It is. Good government is good And as long as you have people who understand How to utilize government In a way that gives people opportunities You know people like pre- President uh, FDR you know he understood What was needed in the times Of the Great Depression that government had to Step in to stop The further decay of what was Going on in that as president He had to inject hope and that's what he did During those fireside chats He reaffirmed for Americans that day That we are American and despite what we've gone through economically we will rebound this is exactly what our president is trying to do you know that great recession of 2008 was a was a was a was a, was, a, was a beast and we are still recovering from that but when you got folks in elected office they throw up roadblocks from his jobs bill to things he's trying to do for veterans and things he's trying to do to our young people that is not the kind of country that we want to live in we want to live in one where people do have an opportunity to live their measure of the american dream and that starts with our elected leaders and so to that extent the power is in the hands of the people and i just wish that you know although i am a democrat and i come from a mixed family because my brother is a republican who loves his (laughs) democrat sister and i tell that everywhere i go it is more important to me to be of the party of the rt and that's the party of the right thing
4: Mm -hmm. The party of the RT (laughs) I thank you for sharing that Because I think people need to hear that more It needs to You know, one of the things that you do And I want you to to know this And I've been doing this broadcasting thing For over 25 years now And one of the things that you do Is you give words to people Mm -hmm. You give concepts, thoughts, and words Sometimes people Um, who are not quite sure what the response ought to be Mm -hmm. and can't conjure their own responses. And your voice is so very important. Now, let me ask you about voter rights Mm. and voter suppression in Ohio. One of the things that I'm scared of, and you can pass it on to your governor, is, uh, who's going to be controlling the machines, and what's going to happen after they can't suppress the vote? Then what's the, what's the next strategy? Because <laughs> you know that they they're always at it. Yeah. And I try to tell my Democratic leadership friends. I was at a a rally yesterday with Elizabeth Warren and mm. the mayor of Boston, and and the governor, and 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 I was talking about this thing about we've always got to be vigilant and understand. What their next thing is, and if 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 we don't know what their next thing is, at least we ought to know what our next thing is. Mm-hmm. So, what what's your thoughts about uh, how the how the voter suppression efforts are going to play out in Ohio and in the country, and what's your projection about what's going to happen between now and November sixth? Well, the voter
0: suppression efforts that are happening in the state of Ohio and across this country can be devastating. You know, every single vote counts. Uh, The president is up in the polls in Ohio and some of the other swing states, and he's especially up among women who uh, understand that, uh, uh, you know, it it, it might not – They they certainly understand uh, who's on their side in this country as well as others. But, yeah, I think the vote is vulnerable. As you know, we're fighting an epic battle in the state of Ohio. We have a secretary of state who has resorted to voter suppression in Who I think it's
4: guilty of treason, by the way. You can pass that on back <laughs> to
0: I'm not going to go that far, but I understand uh, how you feel because the vote, to me, the vote is the last great equalizer that we have in this country, especially in light of uh, Citizens United where corporations are now people and where you have uh, a few very, very, very wealthy people who could just flat out buy Elections, and so it makes it even that much more important that we vote. So in Ohio, uh, you may recall, we had an absolute mess in 2004. It was a debacle. You know, had stories of people standing in long lines for hours. Of, uh, thousands of people left. They didn't even vote in 2004. And Ohio fixed that. They fixed it. And i got to give it to them. I mean, I wasn't in general some of this time, but the state did institute a number of measures to make it easier for folks to vote in Ohio, and that includes... Uh, uh, including the three days of early voting uh, before uh, Election Day and no-fault absentee voting, 35 days of it. So in 2008, almost 100,000 Ohioans took advantage of the last three days of early voting, and Ohio went from being one of the worst examples to one of the best. And so here we are, we find ourselves in 2012 with Republicans through the legislature and now through the Secretary of State trying to turn back the hands of, of time when it comes to Access to the vote, and we numerically, empirically, can prove that African Americans overwhelmingly utilize early in-person voting. In my county, which is Cuyahoga, in 2008, 56% of African Americans voted early in-person. Although we only make up 26% of the voters in the state of Cuyahoga, in, the, in the county of Cuyahoga, and you can multiply that. Uh, through the other large Urban counties and see that that is true So I can't understand for the life of me Sister Graham why somebody Especially the chief elections Officer would want to make it Harder for people to vote in 2012 and not easier so if It's not broke don't fix it there was nothing Wrong with the way we vote in Ohio It worked in 2008 It worked in 2010 it has Worked ever since 2004 And why we want to go backwards it doesn't Make a whole lot of sense there's a lot of voter Confusion, as I'm sure that you can understand, because voters don't know what's going on. That is going to have an impact as well, and that's intentional. Oh yeah, that's most, most, very that's intentional. intentional. It is intentional. I don't,
4: I don't think for a minute that they thought that they were going to be successful through the courts yes. on these legislative initiatives, but they knew that they would create the kind of uh, chaos. That's it that we have
0: going on yes ma'am it is chaos and you know in ohio and four other states uh florida georgia tennessee west virginia the gop controlled legislatures have dramatically reduced early voting and both ohio and florida in particular have specifically tried to ban sun the sunday before election day and we know what that is called for because a lot of Black churches in particular Would take their parishioners to the polling Place because voting is so Communal you know on many levels For I'm sure uh, many ethnicities But especially African Americans and to Specifically put a ban On on the Sunday before Election Day They knew exactly what they were doing And this is not happening by accident because I'm sure Some of your listeners will probably say well Sister Graham Senator Turner you guys you know This, this, this is not deliberate oh no it is Deliberate at least 180 Bills have been introduced in 40 states, Sister Graham, since 2011. And people can judge that however they want. Mm-hmm. Since 2011,
4: you're 180. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. I lost my 85-year-old mother in February oh, and one of the things no. last year this time she was worried about was the governor of Florida. Mm-hmm. And she said, you watch, this governor of Florida going to stop black people from voting. Mm. Well, and Mom she was, was absolutely on point. Yes, she it, is it is intentional. And the thing is it's not over.
0: No, it's not. They stole the
4: they, they stole the election for for George Bush and they certainly will steal the election for this one.
0: Well, in Ohio, we had our secretary of state, he was on tape uh recently saying that the general assembly after this election will probably go to more regressive form of voter ID in the state of Ohio and just to even hear him speak those words. So you're right. Just the same way we've got to stand up for workers' rights, we've got to stand up for women's rights and other rights, we definitely have to continue to be vigilant about this voter suppression. It is un-American what folks are doing, some leaders are doing across this country to try to strip away the vote. And, again, for those of us who believe in liberty and justice and a vote for all, we should stand up and speak out against this. You know, Dr. King said it so clearly. He said, what affects one directly affects us all indirectly. And so we all should care about this, and especially especially when we see ourselves as a nation going back to an ugly time in our history. You know, African Americans had to dodge barking and biting dogs. They had to jump over poll taxes, try to surmount grandfather clauses, and literacy tests. And voter suppression, by any other name, is still voter suppression. This is the 21st century version. It might not be cloaked exactly the same, but it is no different than what folks did in this country uh, 50 uh, to 100 years ago when it came to trying to stop African Americans and other folks from being treated like equals in this country, and it is not right. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: Now, I know you have to leave us soon, but, um, you know, often – all of us are are quick to say to elected officials what we want, what we expect from them. But it is very unusual for an elected official to give us a prescription of what you need from us. What do you need from your constituency? Well, Sister
0: Graham, for them to stand strong. For them to, you know, exercise their right to vote, for them to be watchers, for them to be engaged and involved, for them to adopt a school or a community, and for us to continue to do what I believe God gave, gave us two hands to do, and that is one to reach forward and one to reach back. You know, Dante once said that the hottest places in hell are reserved for those in times of great moral crisis choose neutrality. This is no time for any of us to be neutral, and we are all in this together. It doesn't matter our ethnicity, our gender, our racial affiliation. We are all Americans, and when we see injustice, we have an obligation to speak up and to speak out. So if anything, I want my um, my constituents to be vigilant, to be alert, to speak truth to power and to serve, and to know, as I know and believe, that our best days are ahead of us and that if we want to live in an America that helps to provide opportunity for all, then President Obama is the man that we should vote for and help him to make history again.
4: Well, I I certainly hope that all of the members of the Ohio Democratic Women's Caucus, uh, whom I invited for this program tonight uh, with a special invitation, have heard that because I know that it can be I mean I spent many years as a political consultant yes and um I um was the uh chief of staff for the campaign to elect uh Bob Graham to the Senate in his first term mm
2: mm-hmm.
4: and it can be very tiring it mm-hmm. can absolutely suck the energy to be to have to fight day after day sometimes 24 hours a day that's right uh on behalf of the people that you care about and the issues for which you want to have some victories and i hope that the people in ohio continue to support you in your uh warring and resistance to the kind of incursion
2: mm.
4: uh that has uh That has simply invaded This country So my next question is Can I sign on for (laughs) Nina Turner for Senator Oh Sister Graham I would love to have you And I want to
0: thank you for all that you do And for being a voice that uh, Speaks up and speaks out And and you bring such great programming To your listeners They are so blessed to have you in Boston And I am honored to, to be on your show But I would love to have you on my team And that works both ways. If I can ever be of service to you in Boston, please do not hesitate to give me a call. Again, this power belongs to the people, and uh, I am a humble public servant.
4: Well, thank you so very much. But I would, I, I, we need you and your voice, both in Ohio and in Washington. No, thank you. Thank you. I mean, to me, you are the model for every elected official in this country because you have transposed, translated, examined, and embraced the needs of your constituency, and that is your agenda. I mean, that is so clearly your agenda. And I want to tell you that when you speak, I listen. And the people (laughs) in my audience, when you speak, they listen. Well, thank you. And you you give voice to so many voiceless people. And I, I really want to... Express how how powerfully I feel that we need you in Washington.
0: Well, I am humbled by everything that you have said. I want to leave your listeners with two things, if, if I may. Um, my website is uh, nina.turner.org for anyone who wants to reach out to me. Again, that's N I N A. T U R N E R dot O R G, Ninaturner dot org. And then also in Ohio, the Ohio Senate Democratic Caucus, the caucus that I belong to, we're doing a sleep out the vote in Ohio. And so if they can send messages of encouragement, early vote starts for us in Ohio on October the 2nd. So on October the 1st, State senators all across the state. Me, for me, it'll be the city of Cleveland and Cuyahoga County. I will be spending the night at the Board of Elections on October the first from seven o'clock p.m. and I will be there until October the second when early vote begins in the state of Ohio, and I will cast my vote on October the 2nd at 8 o'clock in the morning, God's willing, for our president and all the way up and down the ticket of those elected officials who believe in the people, who still believe in America, of the people, for the people, and by the people. So any encouragement, if anybody has any relatives in the great state of Ohio, please encourage them to join um, the senators uh, in the state of Ohio for our Sleep Out the Vote, which, again, starts on October the first going through October the second, so that we can vote at eight o'clock in the
4: morning, well, we certainly will continue to watch what you do and support all of your efforts in ohio this is uh with, without your your physical presence, we certainly at this network have been uh raising your voice for for many many for for more than a year now. Uh, About what you are doing And we thank you so very much For joining us tonight And we hope that you'll come back Won't you? I will Anytime that you ask I will be back And thank you so much for that
0: powerful flyer That you put together for me Again I am very very humbled And you are the superstar, trust and believe. I really have a great deal of respect for you, and you are so uplifting. You are the type of voice that we need on radio to both inform and uplift. So I, I wish you many, many blessings from the creator of this universe.
4: And thank you so very much, and um, I'm sure hoping that you will join us uh, each Saturday night here. We do have a program that I think uh, you would enjoy on our our. Pro, our Black Voice Collaborative Truth Works Network okay. on Wednesday nights. We are doing a number of programmings Right now, we have a series uh, looking at uh, workplace and employment discrimination that's been running for five weeks now.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: We we have a, a, a permanent program, Soul of Fire, oh. which looks at um, Black culture and spirit. Yeah, uh, and then we do our political analysis with the Alpha Show out of Chicago on Friday nights. So love we're here it, love you. it.
0: Well, I will definitely tune in as often as I can, and please uh, have me back anytime, Sister Graham. And I thank you, and thank message. you
4: to Olga Hel- Hesh okay. uh, on your staff for making this happen.
0: Yes, ma'am. I will give her. I will give her that your message. we so you are always
4: in our prayers and in our circle of gratitude, my sister.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Sister Graham. God bless you and your listeners
4: as well. God bless them too. Thank you. Good night. Thank you very much for being with us. Good night, Mom. That was Ohio Senator and Minority Whip Nina Turner. And we thank her so very much uh, for joining us tonight, and we thank you for joining us. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about Mass Incarceration. Our number is 347-838-9852, and we're opening up our microphones. We'll be right back. Lift every voice and sing, till earth and heaven shall ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening
2: skies.
1: Let it resound as loud as the rolling sea. First they came for police officers, and I did not speak out because I was not a police officer. Then they came for firefighters, and I did not speak out because I was not a firefighter. Then they came for the State Highway Patrol, and I did not speak out because I was not a Highway Patrol officer. Then they came for teachers, and I did not speak out because I was not a teacher. And then they came for nurses, and I did not speak out because I was not a nurse. And then they came for our administrative assistants, our bus drivers, our child care workers, our computer operators, our correction officers, our custodial workers, our customer service assistants, our electricians, our equipment operators, our food service workers. How about our highway maintenance workers, our hospital aides, our industry safety inspectors, our insurance examiners, our investigators, our janitors, our laborers, our law clerks, our library associates, our liquor control chemists, our livestock inspectors, our locksmiths, our mail clerks, our maintenance inspectors, our maintenance repair workers, our meat inspectors, our mental health administrators, our mine safety inspectors, our minority business operators, our paramedics, our park rangers, our probation officers, our psychiatric attendants, our radio dispatchers, our recreation aides. Our safety and health compliance inspectors, our sanitation workers, our secretaries, our security officers, our social service aides, our state accountants, our therapeutic program workers, our traffic analysis, our underground storage tank inspectors, our wildlife area coordinators, they came for them, but I was not any of those, and I did not speak, but when they came for me, there was no one left. We cannot go back, and we won't go back. Dr. King said that the arc of moral justice is long, but it bends towards justice. Senate Bill 5 is unjust. Senate Bill 5 is un American. And Senate Bill 5 is plain out wrong. The arc of justice will bend towards what is right, what is good, and what is just. And I urge the defeat of this un American, unpatriotic, and unjust bill, Senate Bill 5. Freedom is not always free. And even though I, I know that we never dreamed that we would live at a time where we would have to refight these battles, this is our moment to stand. Women are not children. We know what is in our own best interest, and we should have the right to make our own decisions. We don't need a permission slip from government to tell us what to do and how to do it. It is morally wrong talk about what cannot be done. We need to stand arm in arm with the people who have decided what can be done, what should be done. We do hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men and women are endowed by their creator. That all women and men have a right to pursue life liberty and happiness, and that doesn't stop because a few right wing men have decided not to honor the fundamental principles of liberty and justice for all. In these United States of America, we are not going back. I believe that the Creator has given us two hands, one to reach forward and one to reach back, one to reach forward and one to reach back, Listen as we climb. We are our brothers and sisters' keepers, and what happens to one directly, Dr. King said, infect, affects us all indirectly. We can't ask other folks to do more for us than we are willing to do for ourselves. Hard work and determination pays off, and we will keep the faith and we will keep the fight. And then, lastly, in the word.
2: you're listening to our common ground where real talk
4: matters. I'm Janice Graham. Join us in our conversation. It's time. It's time to be black, bold, and brave. Transforming truth to power. One broadcast at a time. Our common ground.
2: of young black men all over this country and young black women. We need to look at the constitutionality of a government, of the state, contracting punishment out. Where is the accountability in that? It's a very serious act, and to contract that out, the state relinquishes its responsibility. I think it's very dangerous, particularly when you're in a country that has as pervasive a problem of race, as it does, and the maltreatment, as it does, and and the maltreatment of people who are easily stigmatized, as it does. Fannie Lou Hamer was talking about what she went through for the right to vote. We sat by relatively comfortably. No resistance, no real protest as 34 states for legislation.
4: Solar Fire at TruthWorks Network, Wednesdays, 10 p.m. With Dr. Matthew V. Johnson. Spirit Talk Radiance. Spirit. What a powerful sister this woman is. I I I just had to pay K Pasa to bring myself down. Thank you for being with us and for those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to Our Common Ground where we're transforming truth to power one broadcast at a time. Uh in this second hour we're going to be talking about mass Incarceration, But before we do, we want to let you know that you can join us at 347-838-9852 to speak power, truth to power, and ourselves. Um, in our chat room, uh, you can join us at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG like to hear your responses also to what you've heard from State Senator Nina Turner. You know, she is the uh, ranking member. She's a minority whip and also the ranking member on the state and local government and Veterans Affairs Committee in uh, the Ohio House. And uh, you would think uh, that someone who has to fight as hard and as successful and effectively as Senator Turner fights that she has no other life, but she does. She's married to um uh, married with a son, uh, who is a member of the Ohio National Guard, military police, and a student at Cleveland State University. We didn't talk about that. Um but she's had a big day. You, you can imagine in this climate, as we move toward November seventh, November 6th, that all elected officials um, are just pushing the clock like crazy. And last week, it was the Black Caucus Weekend in Washington, D.C., and I am sure that uh, Senator Turner, you know, if you are a regular at Our Common Ground, we usually have our guests stay with us for both segments, but... Um, I have a great deal of respect for people who work hard, and sometimes they need a break. They need to just be home. Uh, I'm sure. In our chat room, we have Novoxar and um, uh, I, India Declare of the India Declare show, which is heard here at Blog Talk Radio, Monday through Friday, eleven to one, and I Declare show the I Declare show. At Blog Talk Radio, where she brings it real, raw, and right now. House Music Lover and the Dean, Doc Don from Oklahoma, is with us. And Michelle Odom, the um, web and content editor and producer of Solar Fire. And we hope that you'll join Dr. Matthew V. Johnson on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. at TruthWorks Network. Uh, where he brings it uh, clear, concise, and without compromise. It's a wonderful show. Um, I had the pleasure of reading a transcript uh, of one of his shows, a show uh, that he did on the Great Con, uh, The Politics of Hustle in the Obama era. Man, this man brings some words. Also, we're uh, wrapping up our Tuesday night series on Working While Black at TruthWorks Network on Tuesday night with Ricardo Jones, uh, looking at examining the many, many facets of discrimination against black people, specifically in the workplace and in employment with the lack of uh, enforcement of laws which are designed to protect us. Um, and it's it's been some interesting discussion if you want to join uh, Working While Black with Ricardo Jones on Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. And coming to TruthWorks Network on October 4th, uh, women of color, Invisible Women in the Mirror of America with Suzanne Brooks. It starts at 10 p.m. on Thursday nights. It will be a six-week series again. We are trying to bring as many uh, of the, the series so that we can concentrate and focus on the issues that are important to us. We've got House Music Lover in the house and... And to our many guests, a very special greeting and, and welcome. And don't forget, uh, today is the birthday of Alpha, the host of the Alpha Show, and we are still wishing him a very, very happy birthday. Um, it's a very important birthday for him. Each birthday is important, but it's a very important birthday for him. And next week here at Our Common Ground we will be having attorney Alton Maddox with us and we hope that you will uh join us and sign up uh like us on facebook uh sign up at our our dot talkningcom uh to get more information about our future programming uh the week before the election the week before the election We're going to be going on the air five nights, uh, bringing in panelists. We hope that um, Senator Turner will be one of the commentators during that week. Uh, uh, Dr. Wilmer Leon of XM Radio will be joining us as a co-host and looking at what's going on. And we hope that you have checked your voter registration and that you are prepared wherever you live uh, to vote, and for our international listeners, we hope that you uh, will pay particular attention to what's going on in America and um, join us during that week. The Alpha Show airs on Friday nights at 10 p.m., and it is Urban Progressive Talk Radio. Uh, our number is 347-838-9852, and again, we thank Senator Nina Turner for joining us. You know, sometimes you see people who are making important points, people who seem to have the clarity, apply to common sense, and look at what's happening in our country from the perspective of the 47 percenters. We can call ourselves the 47 percenters now. And um, they get a 15-second clip, or they get two minutes. And one of the things that we try to do at Our Common Ground is bring those voices to Our Common Ground so that, that you get an opportunity to really hear not only what they have to say, but how did they come. I mean, sometimes you really have to... I do. I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes I really want to know what forms the character of people who are strong versus the people who do nothing, are the people who capitulate and compromise, are the people. You know, it's like Mitt Romney. I have been saying, I have been talking about Mitt Romney since he ran for president over the last six, ten years, no, fifteen years. Um. Mitt Romney was the governor of um of Massachusetts, where I am a resident and he was a do nothing president because it was a stepping stone. He simply ran for governor because there was a very weak democratic uh, uh, uh candidate, and he thought he could win, and he thought it would be a stepping stone to running, to getting visibility in the state. You see, he didn't even live here. That's what a lot of people don't understand. He never lived here uh, during that time. Uh, he lied and said that he did, and he produced documents uh, through a press release that said he filed taxes as a resident of Massachusetts, when in fact he filed um Texas as a resident He's a liar What can I say He lies about everything I mean Here's a man Who has lied He has lied His entire Life Because he When you grow up And you have everything You have no identity Because you have no You think everything That whatever you wish Will come to you And that is what Has happened um with 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 why this man believes that he can lie to the entire nation and world and get away with the lie it's incredible absolutely incredible. our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two and i'll take your calls if you have a mind to to uh talk about it, but something very important happened. In New York City on last Friday night, there was a gathering at Riverside Church to talk about uh, the mass incarceration and the challenge that it brings to us as citizens and to support Mumia Abu-Jamal. The United States' penal population has grown every year for the past 36 years. And according to most reports, the rate of imprisonment is now four times um, its historic average and seven times higher than in Western Europe. But even more important and striking than the overall level of incarceration is the concentrated force of the penal system of the most disadvantaged segments of our population. One-third of African-American male high school dropouts under the age of 40 are currently behind bars among all African men born since the mid-1960s, more than 20% will go to prison nearly twice the number of those that will graduate from college. This is an extraordinary pattern of penal confinement. And we have come to start calling it mass incarceration, a rate of incarceration so high that it affects not only the individual offender, but also whole social groups. Now, many of you have come to understand this issue by way of the concept of the new Jim Crow. And you heard Senator Turner talking about it last Wednesday on his show. Dr. Matthew Johnson talked about it. It's just been talked about and talked about. But it is an invisible discussion in public conversations about social inequality and America in, in, in this country. Mass incarceration is a growing issue at the federal, state, and local levels. And if you get to the bottom line, it really is threatening to undermine the most basic goal of the Civil Rights Movement. And that's where Dr. Michelle Alexander, Dr. Angela Davis, Dr. Mark Lamont-Hills, Dr. Cornell West focused their discussion, and if you go to CPR Radio Metro. dot org, Metro. dot org, you can hear the full program and discussion. Um, <clears throat> we need to examine the scope of mass incarceration, its political and economic significance, and its social impact, and the weighing concerns about crime control, rehabilitation, and more fundamentally, this issue of social justice. We need to create organizations, discussion groups in our community to, to develop an increased understanding of this issue. I mean, poor people in the inner city, they understand it. They get it. But the thing is, my question is, whether or not we get it. For instance, this whole effort, there are two things that are going on. The stop-and-frisk technique of policing in our inner cities, it's leading... And feeding Mass incarceration Then there is The whole notion Of how The vultures The vulture capitalists Have figured out That this is a way For them to make more money Our number is 347 And if you I mean If you don't if you if you don't believe that um, that the drug war, and we've got to get our friend uh, Neil Franklin back, we we haven't seen him for for a while, and we've got to get him back to to get an update about uh, the drug war, you know, um, and, and and I know that some of you are are listening to me and saying, well, you know, Janice Graham is a liberal ideologue with impeccable leftist credentials. You're absolutely right, and I'm proud of it. And I'm just so glad that last year Michelle Alexander, what she did with this book, The New Jim Crow, um when uh, she was the director of the racial justice project at the American Civil Civil Liberties Union uh before she went on to go to Ohio State University and i have to tell you a story about all of that Michelle Alexander was scheduled to come on to our common ground the very night that us talk network went down uh and it was because I had gotten a preview copy of her book and I had invited her to come on. And um, the whole, as a matter of fact, that whole week, I like to tell this story, that whole week, the, the members of the staff of the of the race and ethnicity studies department including the the uh director of the program at Ohio State were going to be my guest that that whole week but her thesis pushes disparate impact logic and there are some that says it pushes it to an extreme and I'm one of the people that say we have to be very careful about how we throw around the the word slavery but there is no denying that, if your goal were to co, to consign, to to to, in, to to imprison, to trap, to whatever, African Americans to a permanent underclass, one of the things you would do is you would authorized something called the war on drugs one which the rest of you know so many americans would be uh would agree would would say that it's culturally and legally permitted to discriminate uh would be a way to do it and in this book and at the forum last friday night if you look at the, the Statistics for which we are all familiar: You look at approximately half a million people are in prison or in jail for a drug offense, compared to about 41,000 in 1980. And 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 then you look at the logic of how this happens. Four out of five drug arrests are for simple possession, 80% of those for marijuana. There's got to be something wrong in a country where we allow police patrols in our inner city to become hyper-aggressive, hyper-vigilant, constitutionally dubious, intrusive, and brutal in many ways, it certainly would not be tolerated in other communities. And you got to ask the question, what are we doing wrong? Our number is 347-838-9852. And for all of you people who decide you call late, um, um uh, we're not going to have it tonight. So get on the mic, get on the phone early. 347-838-9852. I want to have a discussion with you not only about our very very um dynamic and powerful interview and talk with um uh with with Senator uh, Nina Turner but also the the issue of what are we thinking about this mass incarceration you know Dr Matthew Johnson last last week in his program raised the issue of how moral is it it especially on the on the on this focus of privatization of our prisons for a government to take away all of the rights for a period of time no matter how short, no matter how long, uh, from an individual and just hand it over to some private company to do what they what they might do and what they will do. <clears throat> the other is we've got to see the racial the radical changes in crime control excuse me. And sentencing policies. And how it has led to this unprecedented buildup of the United States prison population over the last thirty years. I mean, this is crazy. We are in a new era of criminal justice, um, and I, I'm I'm asking, what are we doing in our community? We didn't talk with um, Senator Turner. About um, mass incarceration, but everything she had to say led to her understanding of just how dangerous we're we're on the borderline. We're just on the borderline, and we need to find a way to become activists in cities across the nation. We need to blow the whistle on stop and frisk. We need to blow the whistle on corruption in our our police departments. We need to blow the whistle at every stand because when we stand, sometimes, most of the time, they stand down so um, I want to hear your your uh thoughts uh on on this issue, and our number is 347-838-9852. seven eight three eight nine eight five two We're gonna to go to the phones four oh four is on the air four oh four you're on the air. Thank you for your call hey,
3: how you doing I'm a
4: I'm doing pretty good there, Brother Wes.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, this police thing, uh, it it's it good to me. Because uh, you remember uh, down in Miami when Arthur McDuffie got killed by Alvarez. Arthur
4: McDuffie was the first strike, yes.
3: And so I- I'm about sick of this, Miss Janice. Because what it's going to take is... Uh,
4: what year was that, uh,
3: Wes? That was around by the, It was right for the Super Bowl. I think it was in... Uh, Late eighties, maybe early nineties, something like that, around in the eighties. It was uh, in the
4: eighties. It had to be. It had to be in the in the early eighties because it right, was before. Right. It was before I moved down to Florida.
3: Okay, all right. Well, well, see,
4: what is going to take? It's going to have to take
3: somebody high profile to get the profile. Well, it started now. Remember, oh, they got T.J. Holmes that used to work for CNN. He got stopped by the police. And when Skip Gates, when that thing happened to him, that was the perfect moment for this president and the Attorney General to call all these police chiefs and deputy sheriffs on a conference call to have some kind of meeting and say, look here, we're not going to take this in no more on our people, American citizens. We pay taxes, and what's going to happen, they're going to mess around, and this whole country going to blow up. The folks tired of this, man. These young on coming after us, they're showing up tired man
4: hmm mhm you're you're absolutely right, and the thing is that, as we uh ask our children to have respect for our community and for their place for their citizenship, you can't have this going on, you can't have continued mark on 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 police who have no respect for the people who pay their salaries. You're absolutely right. And you're and we're talking about murder going on now. I don't know if you heard me a uh, week before last describing how I almost went to jail.
2: Well, uh, because here, I ran
4: um, into the situation where a young brother here in Boston was on the street, and uh, when I turned the corner... I was coming from a conference, and when I turned the corner uh, in downtown Boston, these two white guys had this young brother who looked like he's about 17 on the wall, and they were all in his face yelling and screaming, and he was yelling and screaming. So I didn't know. At first, my response was I thought maybe the brother had run into them or stepped on their foot or something, and they were having an argument. So I stopped. And when I knew anything, one of the white guys was pulling out some handcuffs. Oh. The young brother started resisting, not really resisting. He was trying to figure out what was going on. So, uh, you know, you know I have a big mouth rest, right? So I gathered up all the people, and I told the people, get out your, te- your cell phones, take pictures, That's right. That's right. take pictures. I'm trying right. to get the young brother, and I'm yelling at the young brother, calm down, don't say right. anything, just be quiet, don't, because they were trying to escalate it through his mm-hmm. through what he was saying. Because he right. kept saying, I didn't do anything, what are you doing? I, you know, so I had people, by the time it, it, it all came and the four police cruisers showed up, uh there i must have had about 120 60 120 people gathered That's around right. and we were all taking pictures and i was trying to get this young brother to understand i said to him stop resisting stop right. talking stop fighting it let them take you down get it get it sorted out downtown because they're getting ready to beat you down do you understand they are getting ready to beat you
2: down. Mm-hmm. And it was I had true.
3: Meanwhile, me. well, in Fort Lauderdale they, uh, I, almost 30 years ago, on 19th Street, Fort Lauderdale right by Oswald Park, and Fort Lauderdale PD rolled up on me telling me, talking about, somebody said I was driving reckless. And that pisses me off when they say somebody. Who the hell is somebody? And but so see, we don't all- understand
4: the realities of who police officers are, in the last six years, most of most of the new hires on police departments across this country are soldiers.
3: Yes, Matt, that's right, and, shows, and they're dealing in saying, huh? our
4: community in the same way that they dealt in neighborhoods in Iraq and you Afghanistan. Right.
3: You're absolutely correct. And, and, uh, so we have they to do.
4: inform our children. That they are at risk, and their behavior can put them at more risk. That,
2: that, you know, that I can't imagine.
4: Too. I can't imagine, but but you know, it, we we have given them permission. For instance, if you look at the Sanford, a um, Florida situation, the police department there, and all the cover up. Nobody right. has been arrested. Nobody has been charged for the cover up over the on the Trayvon Martin case. Yeah, that's right. That's the Attorney
3: General and uh State of Florida. And and, and you're right. Cause, uh, it's a dog. But like you say, what we, we have to do is uh, when we see somebody look like us getting to be stopped is everybody pull out their phone and make sure you be a witness and everything. And then like that's
4: right, because when people started taking pictures in the incident that I was involved in, and a, a police officer told me, you have to step back. I said, no, I don't have to step nowhere. you got to step out of my face.
3: Oh, that's right. It, it, was, it was a case where uh, in Rochester, New York, where uh, uh, a couple of uh, black guys riding down the street, and uh, I guess it was a mixed neighborhood, and got stopped by the police. And they was getting ready, to, the police was getting ready to do something to them guys. And it was a white lady in front of the house that they stopped. It was just, it was cat in front of the house. So she got out and walked out in front of her house with her phone. And, and you know they tried to arrest that, that lady for uh, Absolutely. a... Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. If I had not, if I had not informed that police officer, I'm an officer of the court. You step back. I'm on a public walkway. Step back.
3: Let's see what we're going to have to do, finally is start suing the um, municipalities, so whatever bank that's paying these police for, le- for turning all the police, say they deal with Chase Bank. Start suing that bank and boycotting that bank. And start hitting these folks in the pocketbook. Every time an incident like that happens, just start going after whatever. Right. Whatever bank account, whatever city says the are out of there, whatever bank they deal with, go after that doggone bank. That's what they have to do. And that's what paying these salaries, and we paying these salaries. We have to start hitting these folks in the pocketbook. And I talked to a what? lot of people, and he's going to tell me, talking about He worrying about the fraternal uh, order of police. Damn them, man. They're part of the problem. we got to start thinking about who paying these guys. If you can find out, like, but follow the money, who's signing their check, and go after whoever here I' trying to make change. That's all we got to do with
4: Well, the thing is, is the same thing. Uh, I hope you were with us when we had our discussion with uh, Senator uh, Nina Turner tonight. You have to, be, in our community, we have always got to be on watch. We have okay. always got to be organized before a community. When, you know, we sit around on our stoops and on our front porches and in our patios talking about how badly the police behave. But before there is an incident, we need to be organizing and having a meeting with the mayor to talk well, about to... these issues and to let them know that they are being put on notice.
3: Well, see, you got to look at the history of the police department. You know how it was started, right? root word is officer. The root word officer is overseer. And they were started to catch runaway slaves to keep slaves or uh, the enslavement uh in line on the plantation. So that's how it started from the root overseer end up being officer. And that's the root word officer is overseer. So they go all the way back to the time that folks were imported over here to be channeled slavery, see? That's the way it started from
4: Well, the the idea that we pay the salaries of the overseers and the slave catchers mm-hmm. right. should be very disturbing to us.
3: Right, right, right.
4: But you're absolutely right. You know, when the Benevolent Police Association calls, we need to be asking them about their support of the blue wall of silence. We need to be asking them about what programs they are um they are sponsoring in our communities to make our children safe, and what they are doing around police brutality, and, and I mean there are there are some very good police officers uh, who work in some in, in in police departments across the country, but then you have your bad apples who think that they're going to be bad asses on the street. Right. And I want to know. What the Mayor, what my city councillor is doing and talking about with them, I want to know we need to be saying if forty percent of all the people who occupy if forty percent of all african American children who are dropouts from from high school are in prison, we need to be asking about rehabilitation and educational programs and health programs in our prison system and in our city and county jails.
3: Cause I heard a statistic the other day like every forty hours somebody black is killed by the police. And see I blame that on these so called sambo for black police officers, man. If they don't stand up for them, you know what I'm saying, they don't stand up for 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 our own people. They 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 they're they no credit to humanity, really? How can you stand by and watch your own color and kind get murdered by these Ku Klux Klan policemen and don't say nothing?
4: You see what I'm saying, Regina? Yes. And the and the thing is that police brutality is an institutionalized response and what we need is to organize our own response to it. Uh, Wes, i got to go because i got to close up here But thank you very much for your call And thank you for your listenership
3: You know, a peace and blessing
4: to you And power to the people Power to the people, my brother That was Brother Wes um, um, And Alpha will be happy to know that Brother Wes is hanging out with us while he's out partying He's on holiday Don't forget about our fine programming at TruthWorks Network. Um, Tuesday night, I'll be joining Ricardo Jones, and we'll be talking about, once again, talking about hostile environments for black people at work and in the uh, hiring and interview situations and how you could handle that and what the nature of it is. That's on Tuesday night at ten p m at working while black and on wednesday night with um join us at Truthworks network for So with dr matthew v johnson um ten p m where he brings some concise current vision of what we how we form our responses uh to uh, current events and Friday night. Alpha will be returning with the Alpha show at ten PM. I thank you so very much uh for being with us and we hope that you have a good weekend uh and that you think about what Senator Turner some some very powerful thoughts that Senator Turner uh brought to us tonight. And um, I think that we should also remember that this week, um, last Wednesday, was the first anniversary of the execution of Troy Davis. We cannot forget Troy Davis and the valiant struggle for his life that his sister undertook who uh, succumbed to her own illness shortly after his execution. Those are the people. Don't forget about Trayvon Martin. Sometimes I think that we have such a short, short attention span on the things that matter simply because you are not seeing Michelle Alexander and Dr. Cornell West or anybody on mainstream media talking about mass incarceration does not mean that the problem has gone away, that simply because you are not thinking or seeing in the mainstream media um, the issue of uh, what the war on drugs means. And we cannot look at the events that happen in our community, in isolation, we have to look at them in terms of in terms of what does it mean and what is the challenge for organizing. I'm Janice Graham. Spend some time this week respecting yourself and us. Thank you for being with us at Our Common Ground. Thank you for joining us here at Our Common Ground. For all of you that have joined us in our chat room, we thank you as well. I'm Janice Grant. Join us each Saturday at Our Common Ground. I'll be listening for you. Speaking truth to power and ourselves.
0: I just got this, I'm hiding from the police Cocaine cheap,
5: all white like I got the whole thing bleached Drug dealer cheek, I'm wondering if a dog's grand reach. It's pious, pious, God love pious I would stand amidst the fists on the battlefield among an army of red and an army of blue and i stand tall and true as I ask you what are you fighting for? This four foot by four foot concrete block you're arguing for and bartering for is merely a prison without bars that still manages to arrest you by confining your mind and you allow this corner to define you and now you're redefining yourself by calling yourself a street corner entrepreneur and I ask you what are you fighting for? You see, now you're standing on corners I used to call my own, corners I once considered a safe zone, and now I'm too afraid to let my mother walk to the store alone because these streets, they're covered with cowardly fake gangsters, and I'm angered at the nonsense that rag on your head is somehow keeping knowledge from seeping into your brain. Don't you see that you're dying for nothing rather than living for something? You're self-destructing and just fucking your own self over, and I ask you, what are you fighting for? You're waging wars over something that never was, and never will be yours because owning the streets is just a fictitious concept that gets misused by hip-hop dudes trying to pass themselves off as reincarnated gangsters. So, contrary to popular belief, no matter how deep your gang is or how much money you'll think you'll make from crack rocks, the only concrete blocks you'll ever own are the ones that come with steel bars or the ones we call tombstones. So I guess the only... So I guess the only decision left for you to choose is whether the fabric in your casket should be red or blue. And I ask you, what are you dying for?